Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by the 2017 URM Summit, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spend four days with the next generation of audio professionals and special guests, including Andrew Wade, Kane Churko, Billy Decker, Fluff, Brian Hood, and many more. The inspiration, ideas, and friendship you'll get here are the things that you'll look back on as inflection points in your life. Learn more at urmsummit.com. The URM Podcast is also brought to you by Heirloomed Microphones. Heirloomed Microphones are high-end condenser microphones with something that has never been seen in the microphone industry, a triangular membrane. With our patented membranes and our tailored phase linear electronics, your recording and live experience will never be the same. Heirloomed, our microphones will help you discover clarity. Go to E-H-R-L-U-N-D.S-E for more info. And now your host, Joel Rosek. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another epic, soul-crushing episode of Dear Joel, where I hit the mic, answer your questions, bring the fire, and all kinds of other awesomeness. Jeez, I should start the podcast off more like that more often, huh? What do you guys think? <laughs> well, you got to have fun with it. So if you guys got questions, I got answers. You got to hit up joel at urm.academy if you want to submit your questions to another episode of Dear Joel, where I come on and answer your questions and talk about whatever you want to talk about, as well as just a little bit of what I want to talk about. So without further ado, my friends, we are going to get into it and start spitting fire tonight. Let's go. So the first thing I want to talk about here tonight is something that I think is a very, very important topic because a lot of you guys keep asking me questions about, hey, you know, I'm getting an internship or something like that, or I want to get ahead and I want to succeed. So I'm going to give you the point of view here of a business owner. If you're coming in to get an internship or looking for a job and you want to do something and you want to impress somebody and make a really, really good impression. So from the owner's side of the equation, as a business owner, I sit back and I look for people that stand out. Okay. So what does that mean? Right? So when you meet somebody within 30 seconds, you can usually tell if they're a star or not. You know, some people just have it and some people don't, you just know. And like, I look for stars. Like I want people that are working for me that are on my team. They're going to roll with us that are going to be stars. They're going to come in. They're going to blow us away. They're going to kick ass. I don't got to ask them to do something twice. They're going to take initiative. They're going to be way ahead. You know, that is the kind of person I want coming in to my life to work on my team, because that is the kind of person that you know is going to get shit done. They're going to do an amazing job. They're going to put in the hustle and work really hard for you. So how do you stand out? Like what, what makes somebody a star other than just like having that non-tangible it factor that so many people, you know, you recognize it, but like, how do you replicate it? How do you possess that? And I think it's important to, um, analyze a couple different factors here because there's a lot of different things that can make a person have that it factor. And there's a lot of different things that can really come up and help you if you're in that position, get ahead. So you want to stand out. All right. So what's the first thing you want to do when you stand out? Let's break it down here on a micro level. So if you want to stand out, you got to be an initiative take right? You can't sit around and wait. Some of the best people that work for me were people that absolutely badgered and annoyed the hell out of me online. They're like, dude, blah, 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 blah. I want to come work for you. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. They're like, nah, dude, blah, 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 blah. I want to come work for you. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Then they ask the magic question. How can I help you? What do you need? And I said, oh, okay, well, I need somebody that can do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, I know a lot about X, Y, and Z. I'm like, oh, you have my attention. Talk to me about X, Y, and Z. 
And then I start uh, asking them really difficult questions and grilling the crap out of them. And if I see somebody that is in there that is prepared, that knows what they're talking about, not only do they have the confidence, they're going to come in and kick ass and do well, but they know their stuff. They did their homework. They studied, you know, they researched, they know what they're talking about. That impresses me. For example, if I if somebody wants to come in and be like a social media manager or something like that, like they better know a lot about marketing. They better know about a lot of social media. And I ask if I'm going to ask them about like a certain course done by a guru or something I've read or something I like, and they haven't taken that. Guess what? Boom, strike one. But if I come in and I'm like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah, and they're like, well, I've taken this and I've taken this and I invested in this and I studied that and I did this and I read this and I've been doing this, then I'm like, all right, now this is gonna be a star. So I think it's really, really important, you know, like if you're gonna go in and you're gonna try to impress somebody and impress upon them that you are the right fit, that you are there to kick ass, you are there to learn, you know, the first critical step is taking initiative and actually learning about what that group of people that you wanna work for, what that, you know, whatever they're doing, whatever job you wanna get, what they, what value you can bring to them. Like, how can you create value for them? What can you do that's going to set you apart from every other person on the street that walks in? How can you be different? How can you be better? And how can you stand out? And like I said, that is all done through creating value. That's what's the most important. You want to walk in and just be like, all right, how can I help this person? What does it look like they need the most? Okay. And you can just do a little bit of homework on them and you can say, all right, they need X, Y, and Z. So if I can come in, I can assess the situation. I can bring I can acquire the skills and the knowledge and walk in the door and say, I noticed you need this. Let me show you and then back it up right away. Boom. That, my friends, is an absolute recipe for success. So aside from having amazing initiative and just really going out and being a starter and, you know, laying it out on the table right away that like, hey, listen, I know what I'm doing and I'm here to kick ass. The next thing is you got to follow through. And this is the part where I think a lot of people get screwed on is, you know, it's easy to come in the door. It's easy to talk big. It's easy to walk in and be like, oh, look at me. I'm so badass. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Talk is cheap and it means absolutely nothing. So when somebody comes to me and talks big, okay, cool. They say all the right words, all the right things. All right, you have my attention. Now show me because I do not give a crap what comes out of your mouth once the trigger in my head goes off and says, hey, like, all right, this 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 person's got some potential. I want you to show me. You come in, you're gonna sit down, you're gonna just grind it out. If I give you a ridiculous task that's completely unmanageable, you're not gonna sit there and complain about it and go boo-hoo, blah, blah, blah. It's too difficult for me. You're not gonna sit there and whine about it and make excuses why you couldn't get it done. Dude, you are gonna put your nose to the grindstone right into the fire and you are going to triumph and you are going to excel and you are going to succeed because that is the kind of mind monster that you are. And if you can be that person who's got that follow through where you can just come in and you can just crush every single task and smoke it and take initiative and be like, and anticipate people's needs, be like, oh, you know, I know you didn't ask me to do this, but what do you think about this? And the, you know, the, the owner might be sitting back like, damn, dude, that this is a smart dude. You know, this is a smart kid. Like, That is the kind of thing that if you do, you will always have success. I'll go back and I will tell you a story from earlier when I was a young kid. And um, I'm gonna talk about online video games for a second, which is a pretty awesome topic uh, for those of us who play video games and for those of us too cool for school. Nah, we don't like you anyway, so you can just turn this off. I'm kidding. But uh, (laughs) 
back in the day, I used to play a game called Quake One. And, you know, I was a little late to the party, like two or three years, you know, I think like Quake Two or Three was in like full rage about to start coming out or something like that. But I was still playing Quake One and um, I got into it and I, I was like four or five months into the game. And I remember there was this server that I always used to play on and there was the best clan. And everybody in that clan, dude, like when they would come up, man, they would just light up the screen and they would just be like, boom, you know, so-and-so's rocket. And it was just, you just annihilate everybody. Like they, it was a free-for-all server. So you come in, you kill as many people as possible. Dude, these guys, when they came in, they wrecked the whole server and shut it down and everybody got pissed and everybody talked trash and, oh, you're a bot, dude. You guys suck, blah, 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 blah. And they would just talk trash. And I sat down and I'm like, which side do I want to be on? Do I want to be with the badasses and learn from the best of the best of the best? Or do I want to come in and do I want to be with the little whiny pantses that suck, that are small time and are getting roasted every day and lit up by lightning guns and rockets? It was a clear choice to me. So I'm like, all right, how do I get in with the badasses? Now, at first, my gut reaction when I started playing and I got onto the server in the first like week, you know, you get roasted a couple times, you get frustrated, you get pissed, you talk a little trash, you piss a couple people off. Okay, no big deal, blah, blah, blah. But fast forward, you know, a couple weeks later, I wised up. So there was this one dude in the server who was the best. He whooped everyone's ass. Everybody was terrified of this dude. Everybody was afraid of him. Everybody looked up to him because like this dude would wreck anybody. No one could beat him. He was unbeatable. He was the champion and he had been that way for a long time. And of course, every time the dude came in the server, everybody would sit there and they would talk a ton of trash. They would sit down and be like, dude, blah, 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 blah. And then he would roast him and then blah, 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 blah. So you know, it was kind of annoying for him because he had no equal in terms of competition. The people that were close that would try to like battle him in one-on-one were afraid to get their butts kicked and their egos smashed. So they wouldn't do it. So, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I can get into this. Let me try an opposite approach. So one day he came in the server and then he's just like, oh, I see no one's in here. Are you going to quit and leave? And I'm like, hell no, dude, I'm going to kick your ass. And he left. He's like, really? He's like, all right, I haven't been challenged in a while. Bring it. Now I was a noob, you know, I hadn't been playing that long, but I just kept coming at him. He kept roasting me and roasting me. And I was just like, teach me. And he was like, piss off. I'm like, teach me. And, you know, I just kept coming and coming and coming. We sat there, dude, he, he racked me for like two and a half hours and I did not give up. I did not relent. I kept coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And he says, Hey, keep it up. Then he just peaced out. So that happened like a week later. I caught the dude in the server again. I kept coming Adam and Adam and Evan. And I was like, you know, dude, I got a lot of respect for you. You know, you're on top of the chain and you know, someday I want to be you. And the guy was like, really? That's interesting, you know? Then he kind of pieced out and left. Another time, about a week later after that, the dude walks in the server, he's playing, I'm playing, everybody else kind of pieces out because he crushed the server. And I just kept going and I, we, we just started chatting just casually and about stuff. I'm like, teach me one tip, please. Please, please, please. You know, I've been following you. I'm trying to learn from you, but you know, I, I, I can't even spawn because I'm always getting crushed with a rocket. Like, you know, so then he gave me a tip. So then I just started talking and uh, kind of, you know, he gave me some tips and then I learned. And then he came in like two weeks later and he noticed like, wow, this dude really got better. Cause I sat down and I trained and I trained and I trained. And, um, so then he kind of taught me a little bit more and a little bit more. And I kept training and training. And every time the dude came in the server and he ran into me, I was always getting better. And I, all of a sudden, like I was starting to light up the server and get really good. So then one day, maybe like two months later, I was sitting down, he came into the server and he's like, you know what? Let me have a talk with you. He's like, you know, kid, you got some potential and you got heart and not, you're different than the other people. You don't come in and you talk trash. You come in, you show respect and then you work at it. And he's like, that's a rare quality because 99% of the people that play this game, they come into this game and they talk trash. You know, they get pissed when they get waxed. You know, they challenge, they fight, you know, they're like, it's not cool. But like you come in, 
You're cool. You listen. You do what I tell you. You put in the work. He's like, that's impressive to me. So he's like, I'm going to train you. He's like, because I'm going to be retiring from this game in like two months and I need a replacement. So I trained with this dude. I showed up every day. I worked and worked and worked and worked at the game. And, you know, in like literally a period of three months since I started this process, I was then by working hard and studying with the best, I was able to get to the point where I was one of the top 5% in that service. So they let me in their clan, which is something that no one had done in a long time, especially with the amount of length of time I had been playing the game. You know, they let like maybe one person in every year or two at tops and it's a big deal. So I got in the clan and, uh, you know, I, I became one of the top players at that time for that game. And, you know, I mean, come on, it's a video game. It's not that big of a deal, but what's important about it is the approach, the life application and analogy for what I'm trying to explain to you here right now is that when you walk into a situation like that, and by the way, I've used the same strategy to get ahead many, many times in many different situations in business where, you know, you just walk in, you get that one little foot in the door and then you just show and then you follow through and then you come up and you commit and you deliver and deliver and deliver. And you know, you don't sit there and you don't argue, you don't complain, you don't show up late, you know, you do a kick ass job. And if you screw up, it's okay. You apologize. You learn from your mistakes and you don't screw up again and you keep going and going and going and going. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're the boss sitting in the chair one day. You know what I mean? So over time, I feel like that's the mentality you want to have. So if you're looking for an audio internship or, you know, anything in life, but because this is an audio podcast, but going in with a mentality like that, where you're going to come in, you're going to take a lot of initiative to learn as much as possible on your own. You're going to walk in, you're going to follow through, and then you're just going to have flawless, brutal execution of the tactics and the training and the advice you're learning from your mentor. That, my friends, will get you ahead in this life faster than anything else will. And you know what's so funny about this advice, and yet so frustrating to me, is I have told this to many people in my life, lots of bands, lots of interns, that you come in to intern with me the first day, I'm going to give you this exact same lecture, and you're going to sit there and you're going to look me in the eye, and you're going to be like, yeah, dude, I'm going to be badass. You just wait. I'm not going to be like all the other interns that are small time working at Pizza Shuttle, dude. I'm a badass. I'm going to rock and roll. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to kick ass. And you know what happens? Almost none of them live up to the hype. You know, like it's not hard to stand out. If you want to stand out and be a standout person, you got to acquire the knowledge. You got to put in the stuff and you just got to have balls of steel. You have to keep coming over and over and over back up, no matter how hard you're pushed, no matter how much you fail, no matter how many setbacks you have, how many problems you have in your life, you will overcome all obstacles. And when people see that, they're drawn to it because successful people like to be around other people that are really successful and they like to associate with them. They like to work with them. They like to find talent that has the potential to be molded into a lot of success. And this, my friends, is so important. It is such an important thing for you if you are a young kid out there and you are trying to get into this business. All you need to do is stand out because most people are going to come in and they're just going to come in from a position of mediocrity. They're going to come in from a position of laziness. They're not going to show up on time. They're not going to put in the extra effort. And once they do put in the extra effort, they're going to complain about it. They're going to be like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Oh, these hours are tough. I've got this and every other stupid excuse in the world. You know who cares? Nobody. Here's the little world's smallest violin played for you. Hop in the wambulance and go cry your way to the hospital or better yet, a pizza shuttle near you so you can come deliver us freaking pizzas. No one cares. No one wants to listen to your bullshit. No one wants to listen to your excuses. 
All we wanna see out of you is action. We wanna see passion, we wanna see delivery, we wanna see follow through, we wanna see commitment, we wanna see stars that stand out. It ain't hard to be that person, you just have to try. And that is the part where most people fail at and it's so unfortunate to watch because you know, it's just like, a lot of people can talk a big game, you know, but how many people actually have the follow through and that, is the difference. Either you can deliver and you can keep delivering no matter what and you find a way to deliver, boom. I'll give you another example, all right? Let's talk about mixing. So I was working with a close friend who's a producer and um, I remember one particular month, he slapped 33 songs on my desk that needed to be mixed in about a two week period. And I said to him, I'm like, you know, dude, this is uh, this is before speed mixing, by the way. This is kind of like when I was really developing it. Um, and I, he said to me, I'm just like, you know, I don't know if this is humanly possible, but I bet you I get this done. And he's just like, you know, we don't really have another choice because you're about to go take a two month vacation. And uh, he's like, I'm not gonna do it, man, I'm too busy. I'm like, all right, so let's get this done. So I sat down and I remember coming in at 4.30 on the day that I was flying, which almost cost me to miss my plane and turning in mixed revisions and getting it out to the bands to get the final approvals and then getting my ass in a car, driving down to Chicago and getting on a plane and making the deadline because I that was what I had to do. You know, if I had to come in and I had to work 16, 17, 18 hours, sleep on the studio couch and wake up at 4.30 in the morning and repeat, guess what? I did it because I had to do it because, dude, it was my business. No one else was gonna do it for me. No one else was gonna, you know, there's no excuse on the world that could have solved that. So you know what I mean? Like that is the kind of resolve and the kind of commitment and the kind of dedication that you need to have if you wanna be a successful business person, if you wanna get ahead, if you wanna be even even starting out a successful intern or anything like that. You gotta just come in, like I said, balls of steel, no fear, absolute courage, and just the audacity to come in and push yourself to do things that are not normal and outside of what people's expectations are. Because when you deliver and you deliver consistently over a long period of time, that my friends is when you achieve things in your life that you have never thought were possible and you crush your goals and turn them into a little ball of dust. So you can look back and be like, oh, I remember when that was my goal, but that shit was small time. Now I'm doing this. You wanna be in that position and you can get in that position. You just gotta come in and you gotta be fire. So, all right, that's what I've got to say. You wanna get ahead, you need to stand out. That's the bottom line. So let's move on. You know, I just uh, thought of something kind of funny. Sometimes people are like, man, you're so intense. You almost sound angry. And I'm like, dude, I'm not angry. I am fired up. I am jacked. I am excited and stoked to be here. And you know, um, it's just my personality. So what can I say? If I sound a little intense to you guys or a little angry, dude, I'm not angry, dude. I am jacked. I am living life. I am having fun. So feel that energy and you take that energy and you do something with it. So, all right, first question is gonna come from our subscriber, Sarah G. And Sarah G says, so many people embrace the no small time hashtag, but how many really know what it means? Can you rant some examples of common behaviors that you see every day by people that don't realize they are hashtag small time and holding themselves back? Fantastic question, Sarah. So what is no small time about? And I've talked about this before and I'm gonna talk about it again. No small time to me is an attitude, right? No small time is when you do something that's like 
Stupid. That's not going to get you ahead. Small time is like when you when you go in and you talk real big about how badass your band is going to be, how successful you're going to be at this or that, and then you don't and then you don't even like show up to work, you know, and put in the time. Small time is like when you're all talk and no walk. You know, small time is like when you have really big dreams but you don't have the balls to go out and go after them and achieve them. You know what I mean? Like I'm all about no small time in my life, and I want you guys to be about no small time too. And no small time is about absolutely not settling for anything less than your full potential. Waking up every single day and getting your butt out of bed and saying, all right, what am I going to do with my life today? I'm going to know what I'm going to do. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go right down the line and annihilate that. And I'm going to come up with 10 more awesome things to do because you know I'm not going to settle for anything. I'm not going to settle for the amount of knowledge that I have in my life. I'm going to go out and I'm going to improve myself every day. I'm not going to settle for the amount of achievements or the amount of success I have in my life. I'm going to go and I'm going to increase that. I'm going to bring and attract more of it. I'm not going to settle for where I'm at in terms of my dreams. I'm going to go take step forward towards those every single day. You know, it's just about taking yourself and trying to be the best version of what you can possibly be and who you want to be. You know, it's like putting your best foot forward. So, what are some things that people do that are obvious that, uh, you know, are really small time behaviors that hold them back. I think one of the first ones, and I've talked about this a lot, is self-delusion. A lot of people work themselves up in their heads and they're like, oh, I'm so awesome because I'm really talented at uh, writing songs and I'm really talented at this and really talented at that. But, you know, then they waste all their time doing something stupid like, uh, you know, playing in a band that's completely dated that no one wants to listen to and they don't have the right image. And But they're like, oh man, I'm going to be a huge rock star, dude, because I know how to write great songs and I, I can play six different instruments and blah, blah, blah. But the reality of the situation is they're not out there. They're not working it. They don't know the first thing about building a brand. They don't know the first thing about building a band that's going to be successful, anything like that, you know, but they'll sit there and they're going to delude themselves. Like, dude, we're just going to get huge because I'm talented. Well, guess what, dude? There's a lot of talented people out there. There's so many talented people. I've literally seen more talent in my lifetime wasted than I could ever want to admit. To me, I feel like the world is almost like a scrap pile of wasted potential and talent by people because there's so many people that could have done so many amazing things. God, especially in this business. Oh, the, 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 the voices I've heard, the singers I've, I've seen, the talent, the creative writing talent I've seen from some musicians, the performance, all of it wasted, so many. Now, some of them make it because they're smart and they go in and they're no small time, but it's just amazing how much self-delusion can hold a person back. I mean, the best example of this is like the local band mentality. And a lot of you young producers out there or even experienced with, you know what I'm talking about? Like you go to the bar, you hang out with the cover band, and you know all the all the local bands that are open to the set, and every single freaking one of them is talking big. They're like, "Yeah, man, we're like uh, fill in the blank. You know, we're opening for so and so. It's a buy on show. Like they're not actually opening. Like the agent didn't put them on the show. You know, like they bought on to the venue, so the venue could sell tickets. But they're like, "Yeah, man, we're opening for this. And you know, man, we're working with a new CD. We're this and this. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just like, yo." How many discs did you sell on your last effort? We'll call it an effort instead of an album or a single. You know, if you're a local band, you haven't sold at least like four or 5,000 in less than six months. Don't even talk about being badass. If you can't go in as a local band and put 500 to 1,000 people in your local market in a venue to come see you play, I don't want to hear you talk big. 
You know, if you're not a local band and your social media, you know, I don't care how many followers you're, you have, if you don't have a very high percentage of engagement with those followers, like, you know, 100,000 likes because you bought them. Oh, three, uh, you know, three actual likes on your post, zero shares. Like, come on, dude, that shit is small time. That is straight self-delusion. Don't be walking around at the bar being like, yo, dude, we got like 100,000 likes, dude, on Facebook, dude. We're blowing up, man. Our new single, man, it got like 5,000 views, 5,000 views. No one gives a shit, dude. Go look up like Gangman style by side, dude. How many billion views does that have? Now tell me more about like your 5,000 views. No one cares. So you know what I mean? Like, I get it, man. I was in a local band for a long time, but we diluted the crap out of ourselves. We're like, well, you know, we're a good band and we can play good. And you know, we, we work really hard. So we're going to make it right. Yeah. Uh -huh, we're going to make it. We missed the whole part of branding and like being relevant in the market and like writing songs that people actually care about that react. So these are all small time behaviors. I'll stop making fun of local bands. And actually, no, I won't. Uh, it's just frustrating because I see it all the time. I can't get away from it. Every time I go out, every time you know I'm in the studio, there's all these local bands and they all talk so big and they get in these arguments. I walk into the lounge to like go grab some tea or drink some water and they're just sitting there and they're talking big like, man, we're gonna be huge, bro. And then I walk down the hall and I hear their song coming out of the thing and I'm just shaking my head and I'm looking at the way they're dressed and I'm just like, dude, what up? 15 years ago, you know, and like, I'm just thinking to myself, and these guys actually believe that they're going to get big. They're going to kill it. They're going to go somewhere. They're going to get ahead. They're going to be the next band that a generation of kids is going to want to strap across their t-shirt and say, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is me when they're at school. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, let's get off the self-delusion train. So it's really easy to dilute yourself and let the self-sense of ego dilute your actual potential. You have to really, really be careful with that because when you start having a little bit of success, like, you know, maybe your band achieves something, you get on a decent tour or something, you're like, oh, immediately, oh yeah, we're gonna make it right away. And it's just like, listen, when you get signed, dude, the work is just starting, okay? Most bands think that as soon as they get signed, like the magic boogeyman is gonna come into their life and just put roll up the red carpet for them and give them everything and drag them across the finish line and make them successful. That ain't the truth. You gotta go out and make yourself successful first so when somebody comes in and brings in a pile of money behind you that you can put steroids into that and you can take and amplify that. So, you know, success is earned, man. It ain't given, just like respect. You gotta go out, you gotta earn that stuff. So you gotta really get off the self-delusion train. To me, self-delusion is just one of the biggest killers of people in music and it is like cancer for the music industry. Literally, every other local band I meet, probably like 80% of them I've met in my life has some form of ridiculous self-delusion. I get it, like, you know, as they say, dress for success, dream big, you know, like you're the car salesman, it's your first day, you go out and you buy the Lexus, even though you can't afford the thing, you go buy the $300 shoes and the $1,000 suit, and you go to your first job and then you realize you haven't studied selling, and you don't know how to sell a damn car, and you just blew like, you know, 40 grand. <laughs> so I get it. Like you got to fake it till you make it to some degree, but there's a point where it's detrimental, where it's just talk and talk is cheap. Everybody has a mouth and anybody can spit and spew that mouth. Anybody can sit there and just like, let it come out and just make verbal diarrhea. But how many people can actually take what comes out of their mouth and turn it into something, something that is good, something that is positive, something that other people react to on a, an emotional level. That, my friends, is the difference. You gotta do it. So self-delusion, the number one killer of dreams and possibly the most small time of all small times 
in the whole world. There's nothing more small time than that. I mean, that's a straight trip right to the local pizza shuttle near you. Even though <laughs> pizza shuttle, I need to, I just, just buy that chain someday <laughs> when I have the money and just uh, make it a national franchise. You guys can all have one next to you. So you can send all of your big talking, self-deluded local band singers and guitar players right there to pick up a freaking application. That's now my to-do list. <laughs> so, all right. So the next thing I think that is a very, very important thing that people do is commitment, the C word. Commitment to me is insanely important because at the end of the day, all talk aside, there's going to be a point where some of us are going to actually sit down and say no small time and we're going to start doing it. And we're going to go and we're going to start going real hard. But then something's going to happen to us. We're going to be sitting back and then suddenly, boom, setback, problem, unexpected life event. Oh, boy, the world is throwing a wrench and destroyed the wheels on your car metaphorically. And now what are you going to do? Now, this is the part where we separate, as we would say, the men from the boys or, you know, the women from the little girls. A lot of people, they get it, get excited to do something and do something once or twice. And if they get a little bit of a taste of success, they'll continue doing it. But a lot of people in the world, and I would argue the vast majority of them, I believe, will get excited. They'll start doing something and all of a sudden that first setback, no matter major, small, little, whatever, comes and then, you know, crushes them. And then they put their hands up in the air and they capitulate and they're like, you know, pizza shuttle, baby. I'm going to go get that application. It sounds pretty good right now because I just got my ass handed to me by life. Well, this is where commitment and discipline come in because if you are committed and you are savage as fuck and you're out to crush the game because you are a beast, it does not matter what life throws in your way, my friends. You will overcome it. You will take it. You will grab the bull by the horns. You will jump on that thing and you will smash it into the ground. And then all of a sudden something else will come and then four more bad things will happen and another setback and another setback. Dude, you don't need to ask for permission to succeed in life, you need to completely ignore everything bad that happens to you, learn from it, and smash through it like a semi-truck through a glass wall. And if you don't have that mentality, that type of commitment, I am telling you there is no speech, no motivation, no pep talk, no anything on this earth that is going to make you succeed. You need to go do it yourself, okay? You got to get in that truck and smash right through that glass with a pedal to the metal. And that is the only way. So a lot of people, like I said, they get excited. They, You get excited, they start doing something, then reality kicks in and they're like, oh, it's hard. I don't know what to do. Oh, I don't blah, 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 blah. I don't know if I can. This came up. Oh, I'm having this problem in my life. Dude, screw all that bullshit. All that is is a bunch of excuses. Yeah, I get it, you know. There is always exceptions to every every possible thing you can ever say in counter arguments. Yeah, there's somebody out there that's just like going for it and all of a sudden they find out they got a month left to live because they came that guy's screwed. You know, it's unfortunate. In that case, you're in trouble. But as they say, if the sun is shining, there's no war and you're not dying from something, then life is good. Go get it. Come on. Everything is temporary. You know, if it isn't going to matter in five years, so what? I'll give you an example. A subscriber of mine hit me up the other day and he was like, yo, I got this thing. I had a really big label potential and I this and this and that happened and I screwed up the gig and I ruined the relationship and, you know, life happened and I'm terrified. I feel like it's ruined my career. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. 
if you think you ruined your career or not because one label, one band, one project is not going to make or break your career. It is going to be hundreds of projects over time that will make your career. You know, you screw up, you do a record, it doesn't sell. That label blacklists you off your producer, you know, off the producers they're ever gonna hire again. Who cares, dude? It does not matter. You will go out, you will find your thing. You just gotta keep going. So you gotta get with the commitment, you know, the commitment is what really drags you over the finish line. So not being committed, fanatically committed, that is a common small time behavior that will get you a fast track to pizza shuttle. So get rid of that one, scratch that one off your list. Another massive thing that people do that's super small time is that they are afraid to ask for help from people that are more successful or knowledgeable or even slightly ahead of them in life. They come in with this know-it-all mentality like, oh, I know everything, I'm not gonna listen to anybody. I mean, come on, this is like a total uh, you know, mid-20s male typical trait that so many of us have at that age. You know, we know everything about everything. You don't need to tell us anything, we're on top of it, blah, 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 show no weakness, maximalist. Well, listen, that know-it-all attitude is absolute cancer for success. You need to know when to shut your mouth because maybe you've got some talent, maybe you're brilliant at some things, maybe you're really successful at some things, but dude, that does not mean you know everything. That does not mean you can learn something from somebody else. I mean, come on, you can't be a know-it-all, all right? So you gotta go and find people and learn. The people that I know that have some success and become know-it-alls and then they never progress and they don't wanna progress because they don't wanna listen to anybody, I feel like that's almost the worst case. To me, that's almost as bad as somebody who just sits there, have self-delusion and just blows hot air. It's like you have somebody that figures something out, works hard, gets somewhere, and then they just can't get past that peak and they won't listen. And you're just like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so says you should do this, you should listen to them. They're like, ah, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, they don't wanna listen to it because they know better. You know, that is also also a very, very prominent form of self-delusion, and in my opinion, quite the small-time behavior. So you gotta really watch out for that one. You know, you should always be learning, always be looking for ways to improve upon yourself the way you do things, your methods, your tactics, your techniques in life, everything. You know, there's always somebody out there that is smarter than you, no matter how good you are at whatever you're doing, that you can learn something from. You would be stupid not to. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, you know, I mix at a pretty decent level and I've got some cool bands and I still sit there and I watch Nail the Mix and every month I'm learning from all my peers and it's really cool. Every time one of these guys comes on, I pick up something new and it's really, really cool and it's really exciting. You know, you gotta be a student, a perpetual student. You cannot be a know-it-all. And that's something that really gets me fired up because it's like, you sit down and you, you see something where so, you could, somebody, you make a, a comment, you're like, well, hey, you know, you asked my opinion, so here's what I think. And then they're like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then they don't want to listen to you. And you're just like, okay, well, that's fine. you know. And then somebody else goes through the same thing with that person. And then you're just thinking like, wow, that person's really screwing themselves. So don't be a know-it-all. That is something that is super small time and definitely will hold you back from getting ahead. So Sarah, I hope that helps you and that gives you some things to think about what I would consider People might be hashtagging no small time, but those are some small time things people are doing that can definitely hold them back. So, all right, let's rock on to our next question. 
All right, our next question comes from Gerard. Dear Joel, I love your rants and advice. They always remind me to not be small time. Thank you, I appreciate that. The studio I've been working out of has by far the stupidest name ever. And, he's, and he says, I, I'm not, I don't wanna put the guys on blast because so I'm not gonna mention the name. <laughs> That's a good idea, we don't wanna embarrass anybody, but uh, you know, if they have a crappy name, they should, they should be roasted. But anyways, let's get back to the question. <laughs> and they want me to become a partner. It's a great opportunity, but I really don't wanna be associated with such an awful name. It's not a very well-known place, okay. And I'd like to try to get them to change the name to help bring in more bands and have the name be taken more seriously. How do I go about bringing this up to them? Uh, thanks for your time. Never stop. Keep reminding me and everyone else to stay. No small time, Jared. All right. Sorry, Gerard, not Jared. Gerard. All right, my friend, listen. If they're asking you to be a partner of the business, to me, that means one thing. They respect you. And if they respect you, they will listen to your opinion, unless they're a bunch of self-deluded fools like I was just explaining. <laughs> so, uh, Gerard, I think it's important to say, you know, and you can do this in a non-confrontational lane. So let's say your, your partner's name is uh, Billy. You could say, you know, Billy, what do you think and how do you feel about this? I've been thinking about our brand and our name and our value in the marketplace, and I feel like it's really holding us back. And not only do I feel like that it's holding us back, I've had some of the bands that have recorded with us, and I don't want to say names because I, you know, they, they feel sensitive about it and they didn't want to offend, but they sat back and they were like, you know, your name, the studio name's kind of stupid, man. It's, it's kind of dumb. Like, it's not that cool. It actually really sucks. And you can just say it in a non-confrontational way and just be like, you know, I think we could have a stronger brand. Since we don't have a really powerful identity that's really established, that people know that's not a household name, what do you think about trying to find something better? Because, you know, I keep hearing this over and over and over, and no one wants to say it to you, but I feel like as your partner, it's my duty to try to make a better business together. And if you care about our partnership and our business, you'll listen to my feedback. Wouldn't you agree that that's a smart thing to do? And then you'll probably sit back and be like, yeah, okay, I can see what you're saying. You can explain why you think it's a silly name. And you'd be like, you know what? Um, how about this? I've got five names I came up with right here. And what do you think? Is there any of those in there that you think is cool? Or why don't you tell me? How about you brainstorm some? So you gotta just do it in a non-confrontational way. But listen, Gerard, dude, if you care about your business and you want to be successful, you got to have a rock solid brand. You got to have a cool name. You know what I mean? You can't have some bullshit Mickey Mouse small time sandbox pizza shuttle name, dude. That ain't going to get you anywhere. That ain't going to get you ahead. You know, you need something awesome that rolls off the tongue, just like band names, you know, like no one wants to listen to a stupid sounding band. Like it's got to sound like a successful band. I mean, how many bands have come in, they play like light rock, dude, and they've got like some metal band name or something. And you're just like, yo, you guys sound like a local metal band. But and, you know what, if you listen to your name, but then you guys come in, you play like the lightest, softest music. Like how about getting a name that fits for your brand? So sometimes people are like really, they're very oppositionally defiant to that sort of suggestion. But dude, if you believe in it, man, you got to go for it because the worst thing that could happen is he'll just be like, all right, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? You're back to where you're at. Or if you really want to play hardball, you could be like, you know, I want to join your business and I want to think it's a great opportunity, but I'm not going to do it with that name. We need to get serious, dude. Do you want to be serious? Because I want to be serious. Wouldn't you agree with me that we should be more serious and we should be taken more seriously? 
I mean, come on, who's gonna say no to that? Let me talk to him, put him on the phone with me, dude. I'll set him straight. You have him call me or email me if you get you get into this confrontation with him and I will call him and tell him that his name is garbage because I've seen the band name and I agree, or sorry, the studio name. You sent it, he did send it to me in the email here and it's bad. So it's gotta be changed. You need a better brand than that and have him call me if you need, if you need some ammo. So I got your back, but I'm just saying as a general thing, this is how I would deal with it. So good luck with that. Do not take no for an answer. Do it polite, do it tactfully, but get what you want. All right, next question is from John. Hey, Joel, I'm in my late 30s and I feel that I'm way behind the eight ball. I'm pursuing my dream of doing audio production and mixing. This career change is both exciting and terrifying as hell at the same time. What is your advice for someone who is late in the game, so to speak? I spend my days learning and doing as much as I can, yet I feel like it's never enough. Fire away. All right, John, here's what's up, man. Um, It's never too late to be great. It never is. I, I believe this wholeheartedly. I've seen it. It's never too late to be great. I mean, I didn't really start taking my producing until I was about 27 years old. That's when I really started taking it like seriously. I mean, I was doing it for a long time before then, but I mean, making money and stuff, but I wasn't like, you know, even though I had quit my job, I was still playing in a band and screwing around. I wasn't like all day, every day, just balls to the wall. Like I'm going to be savage at producing, you know, that's when, um, I really got going. So, you know, I mean, like it, it, that's not late thirties, but I mean, it didn't take long to get to where I needed to be is what I'm saying. So if you really want to do that, do that now. Um, Something you may or may not want to consider, I don't look at this as necessarily as an all-in kind of thing, right? So I believe a good business is one that is calculated. Because we're business people, we probably want to take calculated risks. And what I mean by that is we want to sit back and we want to like think about it and just take our time. So maybe you have a normal job or you had a normal job that allows you to go out and, uh, you know, make some money and pay your bills while you're working on your career or your, you know, your new career that you want. But let me paint a worst case scenario for you. And this is something to think about because this is important. Maybe you can find a normal job that you like doing or enjoy somewhat and that pays the bills that gives you a little bit of flexibility and freedom. And then on the side, you can go and you can put in some time, you can record, you can make a bunch of extra money. Because you know, I don't think it's unrealistic at all, I know from experience, to have a day job and then be able to pull like an extra 20 to 40 grand a year just producing stuff, mixing stuff, mastering stuff, et cetera, on the side, on the weekends, you know, an hour a day after work or two hours a day, you know, like you can make a lot of extra money and you don't have the pressure like, yo, I'm going to lose my house. So you may want to transition into that. And that to me, in my opinion, is your worst case scenario. So finding a job that keeps you going that you don't absolutely hate, it's out there, you know, you just got to find the right spot. And in the meantime, you know, going out, building your business and stuff like that. Now, at some point you may want to jump off, but I would wait until I have a lot of clients lined up. I've built a lot of rapport. I've got a lot of repeat business because if you're going to jump off and you're going to go in the deep end, you know, that's, that's pretty risky and that's pretty scary. And you should be terrified. You know, that fear is what's going to motivate you and inspire you to keep going and put in all the extra work. So, I would just be calculated about it. I wouldn't do anything crazy, but I would be. I would transition smoothly. Don't delude yourself. You'll know when it's really time. Your gut will tell you to take the jump. And even if you fail, you can always go back to where you started. So you're really not losing anything. You don't lose anything by not doing it. So you got to go for it. Now to answer the second part of your question, I feel like I'm spending my days doing as you know, learning and doing as much as I can. But I, I feel like it's never enough. Well. 
John, my friend, listen, I feel like no matter what you do in this life, what goal you have, how you go about trying to smash that goal, it is never going to be enough. You are never going to ever feel like you have enough information or enough just fill in the blank. There is always something that is going to be lacking no matter what you do. It literally does not matter what you're doing. There's always something that you're going to be doing that is going to feel like you're lacking, period. You will never have 100% perfect information in any situation. If you don't have perfect information, then how can you feel secure? Well, a real entrepreneur, a real business person just gets that like 20 or 30% on that whim and that gut, and they have just enough to know they can act decisively, and they make the decision and they go. And if they crash and burn, they learn, you know? If you're going to crash and burn, you're going to learn. But if they don't and they're right, guess what happens? Boom, they keep going. So either way, I see it as an upside. You got to take a little bit of stoicism. Go read some Seneca, man. You know, like sit back and look at things as opportunities. Like, okay, I screwed this up. Next time I won't screw it up. Opportunity. Okay, I see a positive side there. I see a gain. Okay, well, I tried this and then boom, it worked. Okay, great. So either way, I see only upside. Like you're either going to learn something, which adds value, or you're going to do something and achieve something, which adds value. Obviously, you'd rather do something and achieve something, but the latter isn't so bad. So you got to think about it like that, you know? I mean, it's like, I would be careful. You're never going to have all the information that you're going to need or want at any given time in the moment when you're making the decision. But dude, you got to make the decision. I've always kind of been just like a throw myself in the fire guy myself. Like I, I, some, I have the time I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, but you know what? I try my best and damnedest to learn. And that my friend over time is the only skill that you need is the ability to acquire the information, to execute it and to stay committed to doing it. So John, good luck to you. Crush it, buddy. All right, our next question comes from San. He says, hey, Joel, I'm on my last year at Berkeley. I want to go out with a hashtag no small time bang and carry my passionate work ethic into the music world with me. I've been a lazy stoner for the past three years, so I've been struggling with the resistance I face as I sit down to either mix or practice guitar. Last month, I've improved slightly with my work habits, but recently I've talked myself out of working. Uh, It's really getting me down. I've gained so much from the LDFC training and gut training, he's referring to the speed mixing course, and I'd hate to see my routine fall flat just because I don't feel like doing it. So my question is, how do you get out of bed Even when you don't feel like it, how do you love the work when you don't feel like working? This is a great question, Son, and this is going to be a pretty damn controversial answer, and it's probably going to piss off a lot of my stoner friends, and I'm just going to preclude this. I'm not into drugs. I never have been. I'm not a fan. I'm not an advocate of them. I'm very, very opinionated on this, so (laughs) tune, tune out if you're easily offended, or if you want a reality check, keep fucking listening. So, um... Here's my stance, son. I feel like you need to lay off the green bullshit, okay? Because like, okay, I get it. For some people, marijuana, whatever you're on, you know, it it can help you. Some people, some people. A lot of people, in my experience, and I've seen a lot of potheads in my days, it has a very detrimental effect on their productivity, their habits, their ability to, as you say, get out of bed and you know make you feel like it. Because all they do is sit around and roast and roast and roast and roast. And it makes you a lazy, fucking, worthless sack of shit. 
That's what it does to people. And you know what? I don't want to feel like a lazy, worthless sack of shit. And I don't want to watch somebody who I know has incredible potential, that has heart, that has fire, that has the drive and the determination to go out and conquer the fucking world, sit around and be held back by a little freaking recreational plant. So you know what, son? I think it's time for a day of reckoning for you. You need to cut the green bullshit out of your life, take control of your life, and man up and do something. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, I get it. Some people, weed or whatever, you know, they have this fantasy or, you know, I shouldn't say fantasy. They have a love affair with it and they think it's a great thing for them. If that's you, good for you. You know, I I am not saying do, I'm saying do whatever you want to do with your life. I'm not here to judge you. But in my experience and my opinion and what I've seen in my life, I think for most people, it has a very detrimental effect and they need to cut it out. So here's my opinion on substance abuse and things like this on. I think this, anybody out there in the world can go and get high. It doesn't take any effort. It doesn't take any you know, initiative. It doesn't take any dream. It doesn't take any commitment. It doesn't take any struggle. All it takes is 10 to 20 fucking dollars USD to go buy your pot bag so you can go smoke it, which is, you know, fine, whatever. Suit yourself. Do what you want to do with your life. I'm not here to tell you how to live with your wife, but you asked me what my opinion is, so I'm going to tell you what it is. Any person can go out and get high, but you know what, dude? Not any people can go out and have a fucking dream, a big dream, and go out and crush it and achieve it. And you know what? Anything in my opinion that holds me back or anybody I know back from achieving that goal, and like I said, because I'm being careful and I'm being polite, that this doesn't pertain to everybody, but from my experience, the vast majority of what I've seen in society, you know, not many people can go out and they can get what they want in life and achieve that. And anything that prevents you from reaching your full potential to me is a waste of fucking time and a waste of energy. So I think you throw that shit out, cut it out of your life, cold turkey, pick yourself up out of bed and no small time it, man. Go out and do something with your life. Wasting your time and your potential, getting high is pointless to me. Sure. You know, maybe it brings you some enjoyment, but you're just telling me about how you're sitting there at school and you know, you have all this passionate worth work ethic, but then some days you don't even feel like you want to get it out of bed and you you're talking yourself out of it. Like, dude, the word passion and work ethic and what you're telling me do not go together. Cut the catalyst. You got to get rid of that crap, man. It is holding your ass back. So you know what? Like I said, do what you want to do with your life. But at the end of the day, I think you need to quit the green shit because it sounds to me like it negatively and adversely affects you. I would rather stay clean and stay focused and put all of my energy into what I'm doing and my passions and being the best version of myself that I can be every single day than I would sitting around in my room with fucking tie-dye t-shirts, black lights, lava lamps, chilling, going, dude, way. That to me is not the kind of person I want to be and it's not the kind of life that I want to live. And you know, I, I just think, I think some people need a wake up call. And again, like I said, I've seen some really amazingly successful people that, you know, have regular substance abuse habits, but I have exponentially seen so many more people where they had so much energy and fire and passion in their life. And then as soon as they got on the green shit, it just killed it. It absolutely took it away. And you know, it just changed them 
mentally and made them lazy and made them entitled and made them just out of it all the time. It controlled their life. You know, maybe that's a personal problem. I don't know, dude. I'm not a, an expert on addiction and substance abuse. I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be. I can only go off things that I've observed in my life. So, you know, Dude, I would get off that shit. That's what I would start. That's number one. The second thing you gotta do is you gotta well, you gotta you gotta find a way to get yourself motivated. Obviously, you went to music school because you love music and you appreciate music and you enjoy music. You know, obviously you're there doing this stuff right now. You're you're watching podcasts, you're subscribed to Nail the Mix, you're taking speed mixing because you wanna do this. So the passion is in you, man. It's there. You don't need me to tell you that it's there. You know that it's there. All you need to do is wake up in the morning and just be like, what kind of person do I wanna be? Do I wanna be the person that lays in this fucking bed and is miserable because he's not getting what he wants and he's not any closer to what he dreams? Or do you wanna be the person that goes out and is fucking savage and gets it and puts the hustle in and sits up and goes and fulfills and self-actualizes during the day because they are achieving what they're achieving, man. Okay, I'll tell you another story. I was at the mall today picking up some stuff, some clothes I bought for a special occasion coming up here. And uh, I ran into these sales guys, you know, and they were trying to hustle me on some shoe polish or something. And, you know, I like when people try to sell stuff and like 19 year old kids, man. And, you know, this one kid had a lot of fire and he's just going on and on and on and on and on about this and that. He's trying to sell me. And, you know, I mean, come on, I, I have some sales experience and stuff. So I'm grilling him. I'm playing games. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm talking. Then we started talking about business and stuff. And, and I gave him some advice from an old man. And I said, listen, dude, here's what's up. Because then he started talking about how he likes to sit around and smoke. I'm like, how much time do you sit and smoke pot all day? Then he told me, I'm like, now imagine if you took that time and applied it yourself. Maybe you wouldn't be sitting at this kiosk peddling bullshit, making no money, sitting there pissed off about how your life isn't going how you want to, as you're telling me. Maybe you would be able to sit down, take all that time you wasted smoking, being lazy ass, and apply it to doing something actually productive. Imagine how that would change your life. And that kid sat back and he was like, man, no one has ever had the balls to tell me that before. And he's like, dude, you're right. I'm like, good. So grab your pen. I'm going to give you some books. I mean, you, you hit, here's my Instagram. You read these books. You hit me up and I'll give you some more. You do that. You'll change your life. If you, if you have the follow through, cause you're bright, you hustle, you've got work ethic, but you don't got time to sit around and just be stoning all day, man. Go do something with your fucking life. Ugh. <laughs> It gets me riled up and pissed. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I don't want to get everybody fired up here on, 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 on team. Let's get high every day. But, uh, you know, I have watched so many of my friends growing up during my life waste all of their talents and potentials on shit, doing drugs, sitting around all day, getting high. And it's sad to me. It's really fucking sad that I have to sit here and I think looking back and see how it panned out over 20 years. And I get to look at them and I think to myself, like, all you had to do is apply yourself. That's all you had to do. Instead, it was more important for you to sit on your ass, and now you are a miserable asshole 20 years later, not fulfilling any of your potential, completely unhappy, and your life sucks, and you're unhappy, and you tell me this. And I'm thinking to myself, then, like, dude, when I told you when we were sitting there in ninth grade not to fucking toke up and to do something positive, then you laughed at me and said I was the fucking moron, and now you're asking me for advice. So you know what? Dude. Come on, guys, like get your shit together. Like it's a waste of time. I mean, okay, if you want to do it recreationally a little while, you got to party, you got to have a little bit of fun. Sure, if you're that kind of dude, go do it. But wasting all of that time and energy all day, come on, you guys know who you are, man. 
I don't know many people like that that can sustain that level of drug use and, it, and it's a good thing for them. I really don't. I know a few, but it's a very, very small statistic number. You know, it's a standard deviation from the mean. It's way outside the norm from what I've seen in my life. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't claim to be an expert. If you can't handle it, get off the shit or the, get off the ship. <laughs> so, all right, next question comes from Jay. I'm one of those awkward people you see standing alone at metal concerts, but recently that changed when you gave me some pointers on how to approach people. I've been stepping outside of my comfort zone in general and doing things I never thought I'd do. Uh, for example, recently I've been offering rides to people I've seen at shows and uh, you know, waiting for public transportation. Now I have one problem. I'm actually having a hard time connecting with some people here. Um, I didn't realize that, we're, that there were groups out there that are crews or collectives, and if you are moshing and accidentally bump into one of these members, their friends would try to lay you out in the pit. I'm trying my best to stay positive in a neutral light, but it seems that if you go to one promoter show, you are affiliated with one crew and vice versa. Is there any way I can still be a part of the scene without picking sides? Thanks for all your tips and pointers, Best Jay. That is a really interesting um, topic, Jay. I mean, I feel like this. Um, if you're going to shows where it's like a gang where like, you know, you can't go to somebody else's show without like being affiliated with one group or the other. That's pretty stupid. You need to find a new freaking scene, man. Like seriously, I would not um, associate with people like that. I mean, come on, we're trying to build clients and stuff like that. So what does that mean? If you get one band in the studio, then all of a sudden like, oh, uh, 16 other bands in the other club aren't gonna come and work with you because you did this band. You know what I mean? Like that's where that goes. So you either have to pick a side or you need to stay the hell out of the stupid mosh pit. Like, why don't you just go and make friends and hang out with the bands and stuff like that and focus on growing your business instead of focus on dancing around like an idiot and throwing fists. You know what I mean? Like we're supposed to make the music for those people to, uh, you know, go and mosh to and we're not supposed to be moshing to it. You know what I mean? So, you know, all you need to do is get clocked in the ear or something like that. And, you know, like have tra traumatic, uh, a traumatic injury to your eardrum or something like that. And you're screwed. So listen, I think, um, it's best to play neutral. It's best to stay out of the stuff like that. You know, work on making relationships and friends with the bands and uh, stay out of the, you know, the crews and collectives club because, dude, that sounds like it's a complete waste of time. But more importantly, dude, you know, you should probably go out and start meeting some other people in some other scenes. You know what I mean? Where like you're not going to get beat down because you worked with some band or something stupid like that, man. Like, seriously, that's like infantile bullshit. Like, I mean... <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to understand like a 16 year old kid mentality like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it's dumb, but I get it. Right. So I would find a new scene, you know, and, and try to try to pick the best stuff you can out of that one. All right, our next question comes from Aran. It is, dear Dark Lord of no small time, I always seem to be struggling when mixing backing vocals that are supposed to be, that's supposed to sound glued together. Usually they end up sounding too defined and clear, which isn't always the approach the client wants. What is your approach to backing vocals? And do you have any advice for me dealing with this issue. All right. So here's what's up, man. Um, backing vocals are kind of interesting. I think part of it is production and part of it is mixing, meaning that if they are not produced correctly, they are not going to mix correctly. So that's something to first off take into consideration. So I like to do a lot of layering. If you're going to have a lot of backing vocals, for example, for me, it feels weird to have like just one centered main vocal or something like that. I think it's important to, um, you know, at least double your main or triple it or something. So you got some size and then maybe throw in a whole 
gang choir of backing vocals around it so you can kind of get everything together and make it uh, sound glued. So that being said, predicating that with a little bit of producing, let's talk about actually mixing it. So backing vocals are interesting because I feel like um, if they're too dark and too warm, what happens is you lose a lot of clarity and they can add size. But if they're too bright and too separated, what's going to happen is they're not going to gel and they're not going to sound crisp. Or sorry, they're going to sound crisp, but they're not going to sound like they it all fits. So you got to find the balance between um, you know getting something that's a little bit warmer in the backing vocal, but still has some clarity because it can get really muddy on the sides and it can eat up a lot of frequency headroom, especially if you have like uh, you know a lot of guitars. So for example, if you've got like a split harmony, like a third, and uh, like split octave down, and then like a split uh, you know fifth up or something like that, and you've got you know a three harmony stack. Um, you know, there's a lot of low end energy and stuff that can really accumulate. So I usually kind of group them together, um, on a vocal bus, compress them, whatever, limit them, whatever I'm going to do and, um, EQ them together and kind of try to get them balanced in there with the vocals and then kind of play with the EQ, like maybe rolling off a little bit of top, maybe carving out some lower mid range or something like that. And trying to find the spot where it kind of like locks into the main vocal and it adds size. And the thing you got to think about and realize when you're mixing backing vocals, and harmonies and stuff like that is, are they meant to support the vocal melody? Are they meant to just kind of like be heard and add ambience and size? Or are they meant to be upfront and in your face, almost like a dual lead? You have to establish that. That's the first question you have to establish. So once you've figured out what the role is, so if you want them to be super loud, you know, maybe you need to, um, maybe they need to be really bright and disconnected. But if you want them to be a supporting element where you can hear them in their, or, you know, like lower and they're adding size, then you probably got to go a little bit more glued. So I think you can get 99% of the way there with EQ you might need to, you know, like in some sort of dynamics like limiting, but you might also need to concentrate on getting your effects right. So for example, your backing vocals may need to be drier um, if you want more clarity or if you want more ambience and size, you might want to make them wetter. So you got to just balance these things around, you know, you got to go in and you got to just think about like, what am I trying to achieve and how can I get it there? So if you're, if you're getting stuff that's too clear and defined, I would definitely just add some mids, you know, add some bottom end to them or maybe take off a little bit of top and, uh, you know, maybe mix them just a little bit lower and see if it sounds a little bit warmer and a little bit better and it gels better. But you know, it's like a fine line. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot easier for me to, to show you and to sit down in a session than it is for me to sit here and get on the mic and be like, yeah, dude, um, you know, you got to do this and this and that. So, you know, those are all things that you need to take into consideration. So hopefully that helps you. All right. And our last question of the gamut here comes from Jesse. He says, Dear Dark Lord of no small time. I love hearing you talk about business because being a 16 year old who currently runs a full time studio and someone who's looking into investing into other businesses in the future to have multiple sources of income in the coming years. I've heard you talk about having multiple businesses and I was curious if you could talk about those and maybe even introduce how you came about starting or buying those businesses and how it affected your work life so far. Thank God I joined Speed Mixing because uh, because you made me a freaking monster. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for taking Speed Mixing. I just want to say thank you personally to all of those of you who have taken Speed Mixing because Speed Mixing has been a tremendous success. And the amount of feedback I've gotten. It's really changing a lot of people's lives. And it's its so humbling for me to hear that from you guys and to see what you guys are doing. And I'm just overwhelmed with it, like the progress that people are making. When somebody comes and tells me they spend three to four days mixing and now they can knock out a song in like five or six hours, or they were supposed to spend a whole day mixing a track and they're ripping the best mixes of their life in like an hour to two hours. I'm just like, 
Hell yeah, that equals a lot more dollar bills in their pockets because they didn't gotta sit there and screw around and waste time. They're more confident, they're kicking ass. So Jesse, I'm glad to hear you are one of those people. So to answer your question, I need to introduce you to an economics topic that's very important when starting a business. Um, if you have too many irons in the fire, dude, you're gonna burn out and you're not gonna have any fire, okay? There's not gonna be any room for any fuel to burn in the fire. So you need to take some of them irons out. First things first, build one successful business. Learn the principles uh, you know, and the mindset, the philosophy behind building a successful business. So when you start a second business, you know, or at least have a good idea of what is going to work or not work. I think you're too young to have so many things in the fire. So first, I would concentrate on what's working in your life and build and take that business, which is already full-time, and grow it and scale it and turn it into even a better, better business. So when you're 25, you've got a lot of money and you're doing well and you're making a great living. You know, like if you're really good at something, do that. And Starting multiple businesses is a little bit tricky because you know it can bring in different sources of income, which is nice, but the reality of the situation is every minute you do spend doing something different is a minute that can be spent doing something that you're already great at. So you really need to weigh the economic factors of this decision. If you're gonna start a business, you know, I mean, how many songs could you mix at, at the rate you're gonna be at in a couple of years from now? And could you go, and how much money could you make versus the amount of time it takes? Because it might take you three, four, five years to get a business really going off the ground to see if one of your ideas is even viable in the market. Now think about how many songs you could have mixed if you were focusing on that. So you gotta think about the trade-offs. The real cost of doing something is the alternative costs of the usage of that time. Do not ever forget that, Jesse. It is so important. You have to be careful with that. So, you know, if you want to try other things, go ahead and try them. But you need to realize that every business that you start is a full-time job and that you are going to have to make real sacrifices in these businesses at certain points as one thing picks up and another slows down and then that switches next month or next week or two days. It's a pain in the ass to have multiple businesses. Sometimes I wish I had just one, but at this point, I'm so committed into several different things that I've do and invested that it doesn't make sense. So you have to be absolutely savage at time management. You got to be absolutely savage at outsourcing and managing a team and stuff like that. But like I said, to me, the most critical thing for you to do is to learn how to build a single business, especially at your age, into something successful and viable that's got some long time, long term standing. And from that, you will learn the principles, you know, because going and failing in five different ventures isn't necessarily gonna help you. But if you can learn all of the lessons in one and then you'll have a much better chance of starting the other ventures. So just don't get too big for your britches, man. You know, it's 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 not a race. I mean, to some people it is and I'm being like an ultra competitive person myself, like I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not a race. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how much you gain. It's not about how much compared to somebody or something else. It's not important in life when you get older. What's important is that are you doing something that brings significance and fulfillment into your life that you love doing that makes impact for you? Is Are you balancing your 
life? Are you having a good social life and, you know, good relationships or family and things like that? Like you need balance in your life, dude. And if all you're doing is playing ultra entrepreneur, you don't have time to have a life. It doesn't matter if you're on a private jet or a freaking yacht or you're drinking a $200 bottle of freaking wine and paying a thousand bucks for your dinner. It isn't going to make you any happier than you are already right now, except the settings a little bit nicer and maybe you're sitting in more comfortable clothing or you drive in a slightly nicer car. Like it doesn't matter. It's bullshit. All right. You got to understand that. So just don't be greedy. Be smart. Take your time. Do it because it's fulfillment. Yeah. You know, diversifying your income, of course, is can be important. It could be useful and it can be smart. But like I said, don't bite off more than you can chew. And given that you're 16, probably tells me you're still in school. So, you know, go build what you're good at and excel at that, you know, and then if you have time and passion, put it into something else and, you know, do multiple things, but just be careful. Cause like I said, you can really run into a lot of problems with opportunity costs and it can really cost your businesses and all of your businesses can suffer and they can all fail if you do not balance correctly. It's a very dangerous tightrope and it's easy to admire people that own 400 companies and things like that. But at the same time, you know, these people are freaks of nature. They're unicorns, man. They're not the normal people. And I get it. Like, dude, everybody thinks they're the exception. You know, everybody thinks they're special. I've got news for you. None of us are special. None of us are the exception. You know, one, in a, there's only one, you know, one person that gets to be one in a billion. So, you know, just, uh, just be careful with that. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying if you're going to do it, do it smart and do it right. Because, you know, even somebody like me, who's a very high performer, um, struggles with it, man. It's freaking hard. You know, it's hard to keep up with everything, especially when things really start growing and popping. Like, dude, you know, one business can grow to the size where you, you as an owner can barely know everything going on and, and see everything going on. Like, you know, you're like, what, that guy works for us. I didn't even, I didn't even know when did we hire that person? Oh, that person works for holy crap. You know, like crazy shit like that happens, man. And it's reality. There's a point where it grows out of your own control in your small little world. So you need to be prepared to be able to handle that. If you want to run more than one business, dude, it's, it is tough. Tough, tough, tough. And what's even tougher is if you screw up your personal life because you're spending too much time doing that crap. So you know what? Keep that stuff in mind. So Jesse, my friend, I hope that helps you. Keep putting the hustle in. No small time it. Crush it. Just be smart about it and be patient. Patience, my friend. You have a lot of life left in you. You know, you got a lot of life ahead of you. So, my friends, with that, I am finished here for tonight. I'm going to rock and roll on and go take care of some other business. So, if you got questions, you want to be on an episode of Dear Joel, shoot me. It's joel at urm.academy. I just want to take a second here to remind some of you guys that are really, really serious about audio. The premier event in audio education is going down this year in December. We've got the first ever annual URM Summit. We've got masterminds coming in. We've just got uh, an all-star cast. We've got you know Finn McKenzie and Kane Churko and Billy Decker and Brian Hood and Andrew Wade, me, AL, and Joey are going to be there. Dude, we have got an all-star team of dudes coming in that are going to teach you some amazing stuff. You do not want to miss this opportunity. The summit is going to be like nothing else in audio. It's nailthemix.com slash summit. Go and check that out. It is going to be like nothing else. I think, you know, speed mixing has changed a lot of people's lives. I feel like the people that go to the summit, it's just going to be the next level. It's going to be crazy. I'm so excited about the things that we're planning. It's, um, ah. It's going to be awesome. So you guys get over. That's nailthemix.com slash summit. You check that out. 
Thank you so much for listening, hanging out. Love answering your questions. Love doing this. I hope to answer more of your questions on another episode of Dear Joel. So I'm going to sign out and just be like, yo, podcast theme, go. Boom. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by the 2017 URM Summit, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spend four days with the next generation of audio professionals and special guests, including Andrew Wade, Kane Churko, Billy Decker, Fluff, Brian Hood, and many more. The inspiration, ideas, and friendship you'll get here are the things that you'll look back on as inflection points in your life. Learn more at urmsummit.com. The URM Podcast is also brought to you by Heirloomed Microphones. Heirloomed Microphones are high-end condenser microphones with something that has never been seen in the microphone industry, a triangular membrane. With our patented membranes and our tailored phase linear electronics, your recording and live experience will never be the same. Heirloomed, our microphones will help you discover clarity. Go to ehrlund.se for more info. To get in touch with the URM podcast, visit urm.com slash podcast and subscribe today.